FCS Nation, it's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in wintry Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week. It's the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. Stone is the envy of all of us who live in places where it's cold. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunny state of Florida. Well, Stone, some good ball games last week. One real stinker. Semifinals are set. Man, we're almost there. We're going to know who's going to play in the national championship game right after this week's slate of games. Going to be some really good ones. Let's just get to the games from last week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State 42, number eight, Holy Cross 21. Impressive effort by Holy Cross. Impressive to say the least. To be honest, Kev, I've enjoyed eating the crow sandwich, right? We, we've been bashing Holy Cross for weeks upon weeks and months upon months. And Matthew Saluka and that team showed up, well, for at least three quarters because we saw what happened in the fourth. South Dakota State ripped off 21, ended up covering that 19. Impressive stuff from Holy Cross. Uh, but just normal from South Dakota State. Like, I, I say this last week, and I'll say it again. Like, this is just another ball game for them. I had a chance to sit down and talk to Mark Gronowski, and we'll hear from him in our Stone Cold Quarterback segment. And he just loves talking like Coach Dig, loves talking like a coach. These guys are about their business. They put the rock on the ground in the fourth quarter and suffocated the Crusaders. The fourth quarter belonged to South Dakota State. There's no doubt about that. 21 unanswered points in the final 15 minutes doomed Holy Cross. The Satyrs did do some things against South Dakota State we haven't seen anybody else do. They ran the ball for 261 yards, Stone, including a game-best 213 yards from their quarterback, Matthew Saluka. Now, Isaiah Davis led the way on the ground with 154 yards for the Jackrabbits and also the most hellacious stiff arm you're ever going to see in your life. Kev, that was the nastiest stiff arm of the playoffs, and it seems like Isaiah Davis has one or two of those plays each and every game. He just turns up the volume a little bit when it comes to playoffs. You love to see it. What did you think of the last touchdown? And I'll tell you what I think first. If Holy Cross wanted South Dakota State to quit playing, they probably should have used their timeouts, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I don't have a problem with it necessarily. You're the one who put them in that plus territory. And a lot of the times when a team turns the ball over, that's when you take the shot towards the end zone. That ball game was not over. The boys were playing at the crib, and yeah, they're going to make you pay if you're going to show man coverage and make those safeties run the alley. Well, there goes Yankee to uh, pour salt on the wound. Number seven, Incarnate Word, 66. Number two, Sacramento State, 63. This game was a Labanowitz. Yes, Stone, your last name has now become a verb, dude. <laughs> 1,317 combined yards between the teams. Wow. Yeah, highest scoring game in FCS playoff history. Love to see my boy being a part of it. Lindsey Scott Jr. is just a menace. There's not much you can do. I did enjoy watching this game, but at the same time, I'm just rooting against Sacramento State as the season got later and later into these months. Because the Jake Dunaway, Asher O'Hara experiment, whatever you want to call it, running both of these quarterbacks in and out of the lineup, each and every drive, to be honest, eventually that's going to come back to bite you in the butt, and they gave the ball to the wrong guy with a minute or two left, and that'd be Mr. Lindsey Scott. He's so clutch. He's so disciplined. He knows where his feet are. He knows where his guys are. He knows his progressions really well, and he's really, really smart when he wants to take a shot down the field because he knows what down it is, how much leeway he has, and GJ and Mark Lefwich give him the correct amount of length on that leash, and he made those boys pay and ended up sending them home. 738 yards from Sacramento State and 49 first downs. You heard that right. 
49 mm. first downs. I never even heard of nothing like that, Stone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just uh, a good offensive output, I guess, or if you're a defensive guy, just terrible defense, right? You can look at it any way you want to, but this is what these teams have done all season long, right? We've seen them drop 40 bombs, 50 bombs week after week, and they matched up against each other. So I didn't necessarily expect anything less. Listen, this over-under was set at 76 and a half before the kickoff was launched. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. These guys were going over 80, but they went ahead and went over 120. So really exciting stuff. Highest scoring game that we've seen in all of the FCS playoffs in history, man. I enjoyed every single second of it. And glad my boy came out on top. This Incarnate Word team is a problem. What was the deal with the timeouts at the end? Do you think Troy Taylor thought he could take them with him to Stanford? <laughs> it's a good call. It's a good call. And we honestly haven't gotten the proper explanation. I don't think anybody's been happy with what he said in regards to those timeouts. But, yeah, these coaches have their reasoning, right? Like, let's not, uh, let's not go after these guys. They're in the headset talking about what they want to do with their timeouts. Maybe they thought a ball would bounce their way and – able to use them, but uh, it kept him in his pocket, ended up hurting the boys. Number three, North Dakota State, 27. Number six, Samford, nine. Stone, this game was 10 to nothing, NDSU at the half. And then the Bison did what we've seen them do time after time after time. Ten play drive to go up 17, and that was pretty much all she wrote. But my big question is, if Michael hires the unanimous Southern Conference Offensive Player of the Year was healthy enough to play in the second half. Why the hell don't you start him? I mean, come on, man. It is a blunder of a decision. And these coaches, a lot can be said about them because a lot of them have main character syndrome, right? They think they're making the slick decision. They think they know what's best for the team. And they're the only guy in the building who wants to start Crittenden instead of Michael Iyer. So, I hated the decision, and you saw how much success Michael Hires was having late in that game when it had to be quick game and when it was kind of your your season was just dwindling a little bit. Michael Hires was converting third down after third down after third down late in that game, and it looked like if they would have started that game that way, yeah, this game would have been a lot closer because the Sanford defense stepped up, at least for the most part. Of course, the wheels fell off, but that's what these guys do. North Dakota State's going to wear you down. And eventually those two-yard runs are going to turn into six-yard runs. And those six-yard runs are going to turn into 12-yard runs. And then, yeah, you'll find yourself on the wrong end of a 15-play drive. And uh, you'll lose that football game. So I, I hated the decision to go with Crittenden. I feel bad for Michael Hires because if he wasn't injured, yeah, this would have been a different result, in my opinion. And that was a pretty physical ball game, too. Guys from NDSU came limping off after just about every play, it seemed like. Yeah, and that's going to come up to bite them in the butt when you're playing an incarnate word team for the most part that has stayed healthy throughout this season, right? They got all their skill players, all their defensive guys in the secondary. They're healthy. So if there's going to be no Tamaric Williams and no Hunter Lepke and it's just Kobe Johnson for this North Dakota State squad, I, I think that's going to hurt them. They also lost Cole Payton, that backup quarterback, who they use a lot, honestly, on third and shorts and a lot of quarterback power situations. So I, uh, North Dakota State is, is, is a stranger to not having some of their best players down the stretch, and they're going to have to make some adjustments here because Incarnate Word is going to come out guns blazing. And plus some of those guys that hit the portal right before the start of the playoffs too. So they were already thin at several positions oh, yeah. with depth, and that just keeps getting worse. Number four, Montana State 55. Number five, William & Mary 7. Stone, it looked like William & Mary wanted nothing to do with that cold weather in Bozeman nor those Bobcats. 
Yeah, those Bobcats were on one. And when you look at the box score, like this is the stuff I talk about each and every week. I get really upset, and I do voice it pretty darn loud. But come on, Tommy Malott, seven completions on nine attempts for 100 yards and a touchdown, no interception. I don't know if that's going to get it done against a really good South Dakota State team. Yeah, William & Mary was no contest here. They weren't able to do much of anything. Darius Wilson barely completing 50% of his passes. Ended this game with 62 yards in the air. But Montana State's rushing attack is what we really need to harp on here they got guys who can go and go in a hurry and go often and i think this rushing attack is something that we have to look out for and it's something that south dakota state even though they do have that number one rushing defense needs to be weary of and saluka gashed them last week oh yeah and now you gotta go and face malat and chambers this isn't the preview segment we'll get to that in <laughs> segment three but complete domination by the bobcats they won in all three phases isaiah and fonze 11 rushes 163 yards two touchdowns. I'm no math genius, but 14.7 yards of carry is pretty darn good. Hey, it's pretty and ridiculous, yet, too. <laughs> right. And Marquis Johnson scored on an 87-yard kickoff return and one of the best names in all of college football, Taco Dowler, added mm. a 79-yard punt return for a touchdown. And again, not the previous segment, but one weakness for the Jackrabbits has been punt return. So we'll see what happens. That could be key in this game coming up this week. It's time for us to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. In the Division I football championship subdivision, the name of the game is outsmart, outhustle, outscore. But in the FCS, it's not always about the outcome. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I Football Championship Subdivision. It's more than a game. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Very pleased to be joined by Mr. Scott Marsh, the play-by-play voice for the UC Davis Aggies. Might be asking, UC Davis isn't playing. Why do we have Scott Marsh on? Well, Scott Marsh, maybe one of the only people in the country that's seen Montana State and South Dakota State in person this season. Going to get his thoughts on this ball game, Scott. I think it's going to be a real good one. I do too, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yes, I think this is a marquee matchup, and certainly it could have been a championship matchup in Frisco. Yeah, the seeding things. Uh, look, there's there are dead horses, and then there are horses that are as dead as Jeb Stewart's horse. So we won't get on that anymore. <laughs> but look, these uh, both of these teams want to run the football, and they both did it okay against UC Davis. But they both kind of, you know, did what they wanted to for a while. But Davis was able to get back into the ball game. What kind of game do you expect here? Are we going to see a shootout, or are we going to see a seventeen fourteen type deal? I think I think it's going to be more of a shootout because from what I've seen in person with both of these schools and certainly with Montana State, they ran the ball fantastic against us. That was the week that Sean Chaber started for touchdown Tommy, and he threw for over 200 yards and he rushed for over 200 yards, and we left that game wondering how Sean Chambers is not the starter full-time in Montana State or playing at a higher level. He was that good. He was the national player of the week. So uh, both these schools are just very explosive. And even if they're running the ball, I think they'll put a lot of points on the board. And the defenses are both really good, too. And South Dakota State maybe got exposed a little bit last week with the running quarterback, Saluka, from Holy Cross. You mentioned Sean Chambers and Tommy Malott. 
those two quarterbacks from Montana State run the ball pretty good. It doesn't really matter what you try to do on defense to combat it. They're going to get their yards. No question. And with Alfonsi back, too, I mean, Montana State's loaded. My opinion, Montana State's the best team remaining in the tournament. Well, that's a pretty heady statement. I'm not saying that I disagree with you, but the defense really needs to play well. And South Dakota State, look, their offense was not impressive the first four or five weeks of the season, and Stone and I kind of scratched our heads and said, you know, why aren't the points coming? Why aren't the points coming? Well, they've got some weapons on the outside, and the Yankee twins, Mark Granowski, can get the ball down the field. I just don't think they utilize Tucker Craft as much as I would if I was on their staff. I agree with you because, obviously, they have the best tight ends in the country, no doubt about it, NFL caliber. Um, and, and that guy is an absolute beast. And you're, you're right. He wasn't used that much in, in the week that uh, UC Davis played against them too, but he, he is an awfully great weapon. What surprised you about those games? Was it that you were not able to do offensively exactly what you wanted to do, the speed, the athleticism? What makes this such a good matchup with what you've seen between the two teams? Well, South Dakota State is a terrific defense. And when we went back there in week two, truthfully, uh, I, I think they were a better team than Cal. And we played Cal in week one. And I, I think our coaching staff felt the same way about that. So that's how good they are. And obviously they were coming off a game against Iowa that was the biggest defensive battle of the year in college football. So it's a terrific defensive team. We didn't see the offense, to your point, being that explosive. Um, but they do have a lot of speed and depth, no doubt, no doubt about that. Um, and, and that's why I think with Montana State, I just feel like they are a little bit more explosive. I, I understand the concerns on the defensive side. But to me, right now, I think they're playing the best of any team left in the tournament. And that, that two-headed quarterback between Chambers and lot, I mean, I think that's as good as you've got going right now. And it doesn't really seem to work for anybody else, does it, except for Sac State and Montana State. What a weird deal that is. No doubt. And with Sacramento State, it worked great with O'Hara and, and Dunaway also. But those two players are not near the caliber of a Tommy Mallott uh, or a Sean Chambers. Uh, it's a different level with the Bobcats. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm looking forward to this matchup because I honestly do feel these are the two best teams left in the tournament. You know, the Incarnate Word, North Dakota State game will be interesting as well. But to me, this is my championship game. Who's the most physical of these two teams, Montana State or South Dakota State? That's a great question. I, I would have to say possibly South Dakota State. I think their line play might be slightly better than Montana State. They're both very physical teams, though. They get after you. They hit hard. I might, might give South Dakota State a slight edge there. And Montana State had all kinds of question marks on the offensive line coming into the season. Yes. And they didn't get a lot of All-Americans there. But you look at some of the holes those guys have had to run through, and I'm not saying oh. I could do it because I'm old and husky now. But, I mean, that's, that's a group up front. And that matchup between them and the South Dakota State defensive line, it's going to be hard to watch the ball, Scott, because I'm going to be trying to watch those guys because that's where the game's going to be decided, I think. And I totally agree with you. And Brett Vegan does such a tremendous job with the O-line play. Um, but to your point, during our broadcast of the Montana State game, my colleague Doug Kelly was saying he could run through some of the holes that the Bobcat lines were opening. I questioned him on that. I don't, I don't think he could have, Kevin but it just gives you a flavor on how big the gaps were. They are explosive, and the line has played very well. Well, Scott, we got about 30 seconds left. Tell people how they can follow you on social media and uh, 
and about the station there and about UC Davis football on the radio. I appreciate all the above. It's Scott Marsh, M-A-R-S-H, 1140. 1140 is the flagship station for UC Davis football, Sacktown Sports 1140. We're anchored in Sacramento, California. I appreciate that, and I appreciate being on your, your, your show here. And It's going to be a real fun weekend of FCS football. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Scott Marsh, the play-by-play voice for UC Davis. Scott, have a Merry Christmas, sir. Happy Holidays. And uh, maybe we'll see you down in Frisco. Hope you can make it. I hope so, and you do the same, my friend. The interview segments brought to you in part by Pine Cove Consulting, the Rocky Mountain region's most trusted IT provider. Discover the process trusted by IT leaders to accelerate core business objectives while securing organizational assets. Good FCS people, run Pine Cove Consulting. Give them a call for all of your IT needs. Phone number 800-432-0346 or look Pine Cove Consulting up on the web at PineCC.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone and I usually preview about 14 games a week. Well, we're starting to run out of games, Stone. So we're going to have to go in a little bit more depth, right? Got 15 minutes to fill here. But the first game up is the Celebration Bowl from Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, North Carolina Central, the champions of the MEAC versus the SWAC champions, Jackson State. Stone, I'm going to jump in here first because I have a little bit of a question. How can a school have a coach that has decided to move on. He's introduced his son as the quarterback for the team he's decided to move on from and still coach a team in a postseason game. I think it's a mistake, and I think it might just wind up blowing up in everybody's faces down there in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, it's the question to ask, right? I mean, he introduced his son as the new Buffalo quarterback, and he's moving on. You see him recruiting these four-star kids. He's got a few big commits already at the moment. It's a tough question, and there was also a video surfacing on Facebook, right, of people in the Jackson State crowd recently singing a song with explicit language, basically saying that, hey, just you leaving one guy leaving doesn't really stop a show and uh, I found that really interesting because he's paid this uh, program a lot and won them a lot of games and set attendance records I know they were already setting attendance records but he just upped the ante a little bit I feel for this fan base and I feel for a lot of the kids who are staying on this roster whether they're freshmen and sophomore and some even you know coming in that were uh, committed and whatnot this is an odd spot to be in I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong answer it's all personal preference at this point but yeah they're 14 point favorites in this game like I think they're going to win this game I would bet on them to win this game and I, I think they do it pretty comfortably you're looking at a nine and two North Carolina Central team but I think they get it done and hopefully these fans don't boo him or they don't get a little rowdy I don't know I don't know what we're walking into to be honest with you but I, I do think the result is in Jackson State's way I think these guys get it done and I think they do it in a flashy way I think the players walk around with smiles and that right there will help the fan base look they might not boo but they're gonna get rowdy in the oh line. yeah all right you know and uh, next season, the Celebration Bowl was definitely on my list of games I need to get to, and I would really like it if my South Carolina State Bulldogs get, could get back there, but that's really neither here nor there with this. But this North Carolina Central team is not a bad football team. You look at a 9-2 and two team from the MEAC, okay, you know, there aren't that many great teams this year from that conference, but this is a team that went up and blasted New Hampshire, just 
beat them like a drum. And, you know, New Hampshire wasn't the best CAA team. Was there a best CAA team? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. But their quarterback, Richard, has two pretty good wideouts and EJ Hicks and Devin Smith. He can also run the ball a little bit. He's got 13 rushing touchdowns. They have got to be stout in the red zone, Stone. If Jackson State's kicking field goals, North Carolina Central can hang around and steal this one. I just... There's just a lot of drama on the Jackson State side, and I just don't know if there's going to be enough to bring it all together. We'll see. Uh, 14 points sounds like a lot to me, especially with everything that's going on. I don't know, man. I think I think maybe I just might uh, take those points. We'll see in the pick segment coming up a little bit later on. And in our playoff semifinal number one, number seven, Incarnate Word is at number three, North Dakota State. This should be a game. Oh, it should be. Be. Here's the thing, though, and I was on Fargo's uh, with Big James McCarty a few nights back, and I told him this. I said, if we were to put both of these games side by side, this North Dakota State Incarnate Word game, whether you're a casual fan, you're a novice FCS guy, or just uh, 10 toes deep, right, and you're all FCS, you could write down the keys to the game on a piece of paper and we would all turn it face around to each other and we would all share the same keys to the game. Like, we know what we're looking at here. We know that we're looking at a really prolific offense in Incarnate Word who can put up a lot of points and then you're looking at the number five ranked pass defense in all of the country in North Dakota State. But with that being said, I'm not willing to put up with listening to them being the fifth ranked pass defense in all of the country. Let's go down that schedule. Schools like Indiana State, Youngstown State, Southern Illinois, Drake, North Carolina, A&T, like they haven't seen a Lindsey Scott. So things could get weird. Another thing that I think is really important to, to keep an eye on is the way North Dakota State plays defense. So you see a lot of cover four. Cover four, both of those safeties, they're low-hanging. North Dakota State likes to run them through the alley and use them as run support. What is Incarnate Word best at doing? That's taking shots down the field. So I'm curious to see if North Dakota State's going to be stubborn, right? Try to play their game, keep the same defensive scheme that they've used all season long. It just doesn't match up well with Incarnate Word. I, I think there's uh, trouble brewing here for North Dakota State secondary, Kev. I mean, we'll see. But the number five rated defense, like you say, and really the only straight passing team they played is Northern Iowa, right? Right. So, I mean, and you look at that game, they did give up some yards. And – I think you have to look at it this way too, Stone. With Incarnate Word, they can run the football, and I think they're going to need to at least a little bit. And that's just not with Lindsey Scott with what he can do outside of the pocket, which is a lot. So you get the ball down the field, and I think if you're Incarnate Word, we always say that everything we talk about with NDSU doesn't really matter because they have that offensive line. But I don't think Incarnate Word's going to mind 10-play, 11-play, 12-play drives by NDSU if they can trade four-play scoring drives against their defense. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. You're right. Yeah, and that's what they're going to do. And I love that you brought that up because, yeah, North Dakota State can go on those 10 to 15-play drives, right? 80 yards down the field in, in using 10, 11 runs. Like, yeah, that's what they do. But Incarnate Word will score two or three plays later. It's also what they do. Here's one thing that I think Incarnate Word needs to do if they want to have a chance here because necessarily I don't think that they're going to stop North Dakota State's A-gap power. They're just not. Nobody has been able to, not even an F. FBS Arizona team. But what I think Incarnate Word needs to do is dial up some pressures on early downs. First and second down, load one side up. 
Make Cam Miller realize that he's hot on the edge, and you got to get a sack if they're willing to drop back pass on the first down. you got to find a way to get a tackle for loss and put them into these weird down-and-distance situations because if you let them go for six yards on first down, seven, eight yards on first and second down, and give them that second and two, that third and two, I don't know how they necessarily win this football game without causing a few turnovers. So I look for this incarnate word defense to be really exotic and do a lot of things that North Dakota State hasn't seen on tape because they need to make Cam Miller throw the football. They need to make him convert third downs. I think that's a big key for Incarnate Word because I'm going to just say it right down. They are not stopping Tamaric Williams in this offensive line. They're going to do what they do, and nobody's going to be surprised. I think that's a big key for the card. Well, Sanford was able to hold North Dakota State to 166 yards rushing last week. They did that and still got beat. Incarnate Word actually gives up fewer yards per game than Samford did. Now, there are a lot more rushing teams in the SoCon than there are in the Southland, so what does that mean? Probably nothing. But Incarnate Word does have a decent run defense, and look, they're just going to need to score. And I'm not real sure if they can make NDSU chase a couple of touchdowns, if that offense can do that. Yeah, you're right on there, and I, I, I want to speak to that a little further. If, if you're North Dakota State, you're not necessarily built to play from behind, and Cardinal Ward's okay doing that. We've seen him do that all season long. So for the Cardinals, you need to jump out to an early lead. You need to make things awkward. You need to make this North Dakota State team get off script, do things that they're not necessarily comfortable doing in the first and second quarter. But if North Dakota State jumps out to a 10-14-0 lead, Incarnate Word's not dead. We talked about how they can score really fast. So I, I think Incarnate Word kind of holds the keys in this game, and dare I say that, against uh, a North Dakota State team winning nine of the last 11, and now they're in the Fargo Dome. But honestly, if, in, if, if Lindsey Scott wants to take care of the football in that first and second quarter, which he hasn't necessarily done up to this point in the playoffs and they get out to a two-possession lead, I, I think it's trouble for North Dakota State. I'm not just saying that because I've been rooting for the Cardinals all season. I truly believe it. And if you're NDSU, one thing you can't do is have it be a three- or a four-point game and let Lindsey Scott Jr. have a minute and a half to go down the field to beat you, can you? We've seen that a couple times in the playoffs. Hey, you're damn right. That's honestly the last thing you want to do at this point. He's so disciplined. He's so dialed in. He knows what he needs to do. He knows how many timeouts. He knows what guys have fresh legs. Lindsey Scott loves being clutch, I guess. Number four, Montana State is at the number one seed, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Wellstone in this one, nobody's going to have any advantage in the cold. They're both from places that the climate is really, let's face it, to two Southern boys, uh, kind of unfit for human habitation, <laughs> right? So, I mean, but they're both used to it. And they both want to run the football, and they both want to be physical on defense. This should be a whale of a game. Whale of a game is right this one there's a reason that i said north dakota state and incarnate word we know the keys to the game last year right oladokin was in that spot instead of granowski one thing we do know is montana state has the number one rushing attack in all of the country and south dakota state has the number one rushing defense in all of the country that's the one thing we do know but which quarterback is going to come out and play a cleaner game that's where I think the result is determined in this one. Look at Mark Gronowski. I think he threw it 22 times last week. And then you look at him a lot, who, who threw it a lot less than that. I believe 15 attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Like I think whoever throws the ball more in this game, whoever doesn't turn the ball over, is going to be why one of these teams win. Whether it's Tommy, whether it's Mark. I, I, God, I, I honestly can't wait for this one. But I'm sorry to say I don't necessarily know what to expect. I mean, we got South Dakota State looking at this game from a revenge perspective. But like I said, Mark Gronowski, the true leader of this team, wasn't leading these guys last year. So 
I'm a little curious to what you really think, Kev. Look, one of the things that I'm getting a little tired of and is people who don't know football telling me and telling you that Tommy Mallott isn't a good college quarterback. He's not an NFL prospect drop back mm-hmm. passer type quarterback, but he is a very good college quarterback. His team is 12 and one and undefeated against the FCS. He stinks, right? And that's some people's take on it. Now, does he do things aesthetically pleasing throwing the ball? Not particularly, but I don't care. It's effective, right? And 12-1, and one, undefeated against the FCS, and the kids got guts in Eastern Butte, Montana, and those people are just different, Stone. Trust me, I know. And then Sean Chambers, who they haven't used as much lately, if you've noticed, he can come in, and I think he's a little bit better passer. I expect we'll see Chambers come in and throw the football a little bit against South Dakota State, but I think Montana State's going to have to do that to win. And what conclusions can we draw from last year? That's a good point you made. I don't think very many because the Jacks have a new OC, and Pierre Strong Jr. is playing Sunday football for the Patriots, and Troy Anderson really dominated that game, and he's playing for the Falcons. Daniel Hardy and Lance McCutcheon, who were both Bobcats, now playing for the Rams. So awful lot of talent isn't going to be on that field that we saw last year. So I'm interested to see how it plays out too, Stone. But if you're Mark Ronowski, you've got, I think, to get those Yankee twins involved, and you've got to use Tucker Craft more. That was a big play he made last week when he ran over two guys from Holy Cross on third down and about eight and picked up about 15. Get the ball to Craft because he can outrun you and he can run over you. I think Tucker Craft's the key to this ball game for the Jackrabbits. Yeah, I think both of these teams are going to try to be stubborn, right? They're going to try to play their game. You talked about Tucker Craft. You talk about these Yankee guys. A lot of the stuff that South Dakota State does is RPO-related. So they're going to get Mark Gronowski, get get him going outside the pocket. They're going to get him on the move, dinking balls at least five yards down the field, two guys like Tucker Craft. That's one of the things they do well, and all that's set up with Isaiah Davis. But I, I'm going to say the same thing that I said for the Incarnate Word North Dakota State game. But in relation to getting Montana State out of their game, because this is the number one rushing attack in all of the country, you have to put Tommy Malott, who you just went to bat for, in weird down and distance situations. It's one of my favorite things to talk about when you're breaking down a football game because, yeah, it's clean when you're beating up on teams in the regular season. But when the lights are the brightest and there's more people in the stands than there has been all season long and it's third and 11, you got to show me something. The only one of the quarterbacks left in the semifinals that has shown me the ability to let them hang and convert third and longs is Lindsey Scott. So if you're South Dakota State and you have the best defense in the country, you need to bow up on first and second down and make Tommy Malott expose himself. I think that's how they win this game, and I hate to say it, you just went to bat for Tommy, but he's not built to be throwing timing routes and hitting certain windows 12 yards down the field when they need it most. Like He just hasn't shown us the ability to do that. We talk time and time again, and I hate this phrase, 50-50 ball in relation to successful offenses because it's not a real thing. Yeah, you could have man coverage and you get the matchup you want, but if it's something you rely on, you're not going to get to a national championship. And if you do, it's just because the other 21 guys are a lot better than the teams that that you play necessarily. So it's odd. I think Tommy Mallott is a key in this game. If he wants to bow up and pass the ball, 
well and, and with efficiency, yeah, I think I lean Montana State's way, but I just don't see that happening. I see the South Dakota State team defense getting right. It's time for us to take a quick timeout. Coming up is Stone Cold QBs, where Stone will sit down with South Dakota State Jackrabbits quarterback Mark Ranowski. And after that will be the pick segment. I know you'll want to hang out for that. All that and much, much more is coming up next right here on FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Hey, yo, you ready? Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network each and every week. Try to go around the country, try to find a quarterback for the Stone Cold Quarterback segment this week. Got none other than the signal caller for the one seed, South Dakota State Jackrabbits. That's Mr. Mark Granowski, TV star. We all saw his Applebee's commercial. But most importantly, got a game coming up this Saturday against the fourth seed, the Montana State Bobcats. Mark, thanks for hopping on the show today. How excited are you for this weekend? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm really pumped, uh, especially after last year. Um, how they kind of ended our season and obviously I was on the sidelines last year with the injury but um, just still remember how that made everyone feel and um, it's going to be a good kind of get back and get another chance at playing them again. Let's talk about that injury. I saw an article recently that you talked about you and Tommy Malott, two guys who were injured before. I see you guys follow each other on Instagram and on all social media platforms. Have you had a chance to talk to Tommy this week? Um, I haven't talked to him at all this week but I mean, I've reached out to him in the past kind of about his injury because I was kind of in the same boat with him. But um, I'm, I'm excited and ha- uh, to have an opportunity to play against him and um, against the rest of the Bobcat team as well. Yeah, a little bit of a revenge factor going on there. I wanna, For sure. Yeah, I want to ask you about playing at Dana J. You guys are in Brookings again and again and again, and it's of the utmost importance that you guys do so because your fans pack that thing. You guys get rowdy. It'll be 14 degrees this Saturday on ESPN2, 4 p.m. Eastern. Mark, how important is it to play at the crib? Because I feel like... Like every time I turn on, whether it's ESPN Plus or one of the bigger ESPNs, that place is packed. How important is that to you guys? Yeah, it's huge. Um, especially during during the entire season, we've had a, like the highest numbers in SDSU football history at uh, Dana J, which is really awesome to see and really awesome to see the growth of the fan base. Um, these past couple playoff games, it hasn't been as many people, but the crowd is still loud as loud as normal. Just in how hyped these fans are and. Um, the the real like the bunch of like the fans that are really into it are still there, which is really awesome to see. But it adds a huge advantage for us just because we don't have to worry about that noise when we're on offense and we're able to have that cool. Everyone's allowed to communicate, and it also causes some ruckus against teams and. You've seen that the past couple of weeks with a, with a couple of false starts by every single team we've faced so far. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I do think everybody notices that, and I think it's a huge advantage for you guys. Everyone's used to being there. Also, another thing everybody's used to is staying on that damn roster, man. So I got a statistic for you. I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure Coach Stig brings it up. But since August 1st, you guys have not had one scholarship player hit the portal. I'm going to list off the schools that have also had that stat. South Dakota State. And that's just about it. You guys are the only school left in the FCS that has not had a scholarship player hit the portal since the month of August. Can you tell me why that is? Is that, is that a real stat? It's a real stat. I have not heard that one, actually. I, wow. I, I figured Coach Stig would throw that one at you guys. But, yeah, since August 1st, not one scholarship player has hit the portal in South Dakota State in Lindenwood, who I think their head coach was an assistant for you guys or Coach Stig one point in the day. I don't need to mention them, but you guys are the only FCS school, man who has not had a kid hit the portal. You've got to tell me why that is. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an interesting stat, but, I mean, i got to give it up to Coach Stig just on how he just builds the culture at South Dakota State and who, they, who the, the people that he brings in, and he brings really good guys that are built for this culture and built for um, just having good relationships with other people on this team, and uh, he really knows how to have, have people fit together. And another goal is, I think this is, or another reason is, I think this is one of the closest teams relationship-wise that 
I mean, I've ever personally been a part of. And it's really cool to see that everyone kind of has each other's backs, no matter what your role is really on the team, whether it's scout team, whether you're a starter, whether you're scoring touchdowns or whether you're blocking for people. And along with that, I mean, I think the entire unit of the team is set on one goal and it doesn't really matter what their role is as long as we all can achieve something together, like that nobody feels left out or unimportant and that everyone kind of has an important piece to this game. Because if the scouts don't give a good look, then our offense isn't going to be running as smoothly on Saturday or the defense isn't going hard in practice um, and the the offensive scouts not giving them good looks. It might not be uh, good looks for us or someone doesn't step up. And so everyone kind of feels that importance. And I think Coach Stig does a really good job of that. And um, everyone kind of just focuses on we're going to go win a national championship no matter what your role is on this team. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, you hinted at relationships. I mean, it's no secret. What do you guys call your offensive line? Is it the 605 Hogs or the 305 Hogs? 605 Hogs. Okay, so the 605 Hogs. Yeah, they take care of you. They take care of everybody in that backfield. You guys got a lot of weapons. Let's talk about relationships, though. You share a really good one with Isaiah Davis. We all saw the nasty, nasty stiff arm. He threw the kid about three or four yards out of bounds. What's it like playing with Isaiah Davis? Is it comforting? Yeah, no, that that was one of the coolest runs I've, I've seen and it reminded me of like that one that Derrick Henry ended up throwing Josh Norman <laughs> across the field um but yeah no it's, it's really nice because he's almost like a safety blanket that yeah, maybe if I'm not having that good of a game or um, not completing that many passes that game we know that Isaiah is going to be cooking and he can <clears throat> get those six yard runs to start kind of build the momentum for our offense and kind of starting to wear down the defense and that's the biggest thing and I know I know talking to a lot of guys that just play defense that those guys that break six 10-yard runs, 5-yard runs over and over again. That really just breaks the will of any defense you play, and it's nice to have them on our team. Yeah, 100%, man. I love watching you guys play. When it gets 2nd and 10, 3rd and 10, I mean, the ball's going to find Isaiah Davis, and that just shows how much confidence you guys have in him. Let's talk a little bit about a certain somebody that you've played with. Mr. Pierre Strong, did you get a chance to see what he did last night for the New England Patriots? I did. I was I was really excited. I, uh, we always try watching him, hoping he's going to get in every single week, but um, <laughs> obviously he hasn't done too much this year, but it was a great opportunity yesterday with uh Ramondre Stevenson getting hurt and I never want to wish someone getting hurt but um the opportunity that Pierre got uh he took it and did well with it which is really awesome to see for sure 60 yards from scrimmage that's only on three touches man I I stood up and I was like that better not be the Pierre Strong that I think it is so really cool to see South Dakota <laughs> State all over the place Scott Van Pelt you guys were on bad beats last week Pierre Strong showing out on Monday night football I mean you guys are all over the place you'll be on ESPN2 again I'm sitting here with Mark Granowski of South Dakota State he is the quarterback, the signal caller, the sophomore, trying to get his revenge on the fourth seed Montana State Bobcats after taking a 31-17 loss last year. What can Jack fans and fans of the FCS and fans of the FBS that are going to be tuning in to ESPN2, you guys are on national television this Saturday, what can they expect from you and your Jackrabbits? You're going to expect a hard-fought team that's uh, just ready to go and really excited to play in this game. And we're going to see a lot of energy from us. And um, it's just going to be a great game and to watch if you're a football fan. And a lot of great defense and a lot of great offense throughout the game. I love it. I love it. Coach Stig, what's been his message this week to you guys? Has there been one thing that he's been reiterating over and over and over? Or is it just like he usually is? And that's kind of all over the place. Um, I mean, yeah, he's definitely um, all over the place sometimes with some <laughs> of the things. But, um, I mean, his main focus every single week is 1-0 and winning the game this week and not really having a look-ahead spot or um, start planning the trip to Frisco or anything like that. we got to get there first. got to get through this game first. And um, one of the big things that he, he was touching on yesterday is uh, remembering 
how we felt last year and remembering what the seniors felt and trying to make it not the seniors last game, I guess. And um, we got, we even watched the interview from last year of mm. Wes Janant and Logan Backus talking after the game and how they felt and um, kind of trying to remind us that, that we need to play to the best of our abilities and give everything we got this weekend. Everything money, just like I expect this weekend, Mark. Hey, coming up to FCS Nation is our pick segment. I'll tell you right now where my pick's going and that is the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I can't speak for Kev. But, hey, Mark, appreciate your time. Good luck. We'll be rooting for you. For sure. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Many thanks to Mark Ranowski for sitting down with Stone for the Stone Cold Quarterback segment this week. Really appreciate the time. Stone, it's now time for the pick segment. We got three ball games to pick. Let's just get right to it. Up first, the Celebration Bowl from Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, North Carolina Central versus Jackson State. All right, let's do it. Let's get this thing kicked off. So, looking at a 14-point spread, and that over-under is at 55 and a half. I think Jackson State's going to have what they need to win this game. I think this crowd might be weird in the first quarter. But once they see the same old kids finding the same old end zone that they're so used to finding, they'll get back into things. I think they score a lot of points in this one, and I think those flary skill players show out. For the last time for old Neon Dion here, I got Jackson State winning this game 42-17. to 17. Not me, sir. Too much drama. Too much outside distractions. And I know you've been in a locker room more recently than I have, so... You know, maybe my take here is just straight hot garbage, and that could be absolutely right. But North Carolina Central does enough on offense. Quarterback Davius Richard, he can move around a little bit. He can get outside the pocket. He's got a couple of good wide receivers, EJ Hicks and Devin Smith, and Richard must get them the ball. And if they're going to be successful on defense, make Jackson State kick field goals. I know we said that in the previous segment, but that's the recipe for victory. You can let. Shador Sanders get his yards as long as they're in between the 30s. And he could be the difference here. If they can get big plays, we'll see. But I think if it starts badly for Jackson State, if they have some three and outs or turn the ball over, it's going to snowball. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Should be a good game, but too much drama for the SWAC champion for me. Take North Carolina Central in a huge upset. Oh, Eagles win 28-27. Oh. Number seven, Incarnate Word, is at number three, North Dakota State. All righty, folks. I have been waiting all season for this game right here. When we interviewed Lindsey Scott, I asked him, hey, like, do you guys think you can beat a North Dakota State team? Like, nobody else thinks so. Y'all don't have the size. Y'all have never done it before. But this ain't the typical y'all. This is an FBS caliber quarterback walking into a stadium that, in his words, He's been watching for years, and he's ready for this moment. This is his seventh year playing football at the college level. He's on his fifth school. You take all the chips, you shove them to the middle of the table, and you say, hey, I got myself. I've been betting on myself the entire time, but this time I got some boys with me, and those boys, that's Marcus Cooper. It's a really good defense. I think these guys are going to get it done. I think Lindsey Scott has what it takes. I think they get out to a hot start. I think they're going to win this game. This over-under is sitting at 71 and a half, which North Dakota State is the one that's going to have to keep up here. There's no way in hell Incarnate Word gets held to 21 or less. 
I like them in this spot. I really do. I think it's a stylistic matchup nightmare for North Dakota State. I'm taking the cards. We're flying high, 42-38. to 38. I totally agree, Stone, and I'll tell you why. Because we've seen NDSU play supposedly high-powered offenses before, and their defense has bottled them up. The Bison secondary is good, but Lindsey Scott's just a dude. And at some point, you're just going to have to say, we can't let that guy beat us. But that's what everybody's been saying, Stone. We're going to have to do something, slow him down. Can't let that one guy beat us. But that's all he's done. He shows up, whether he has to throw it for 240 yards or 540 yards, Lindsey Scott Jr. beats you. The Bison defense is banged up. We saw them coming off the field last week a whole lot. That was a physical game they played. And I think that maybe the have how physical Samford was is kind of equal to what Incarnate Word had to play that first game. And NDSU had a bye, so I think that makes that a wash. And like we mentioned earlier, I think Incarnate Word will totally trade 11, 12, 13 play touchdown drives or field goal drives by NDSU for four or five play drives and score quickly. Keep their offense fresh. Their defense can get worn out, but you have to figure North Dakota State will throw them a pick. We'll put the ball on the ground. And I think one turnover either way could be the deciding factor mm. here. And I like Incarnate Word in this game. And I always say, <laughs> always, do not bet against the Bison in the Fargo Dome. There's no money in it, but there's an exception to every rule, and this one's it. Take Incarnate Word to advance to Frisco, Texas in the national championship, 31-27 over in How about Number- that, Kev? Welcome to the dark side, yeah. baby. I mean, look. Going to make some people who I like very much unhappy in Fargo, but okay, it is what it is. It is what it is. Number four, Montana State. Is that number one, South Dakota State? All right, I'm excited for this one. This is the one that I uh, I took the most time uh, deciding which side I was going to go, but ultimately it's going to be the side of the Jackrabbits. They got too much. They are a Burmese python, or name me another animal that suffocates other animals. I know that they are watching tape of last year's game. Montana State doesn't do anything differently defensively that they did last year. And I know that's one thing that South Dakota State's paying attention to. And they're going to want to play their game ultimately. They're going to have a lot of gadget plays in there for some of those down and distance stuff. And I think Mark Gronowski is the key here. He's going to execute those gadget plays. He's going to complete those third and eights. He's going to use his legs more than he has all season long in this game right here. He thinks his knee is healthy. He hasn't had any problems tucking this ball and going. He just hasn't done it at a high clip. I think we see him do it at a high clip. I think Mark Gronowski plays a really, really clean football game here. Isaiah Davis is going to be tough to stop that Mack truck, and I think he gives us another highlight play to get on ESPN Top 10 because this is a big game. It's in Brookings. They got the people on their side. Give me the boys, 31 to 30. I disagree, Stone. Montana State comes into this ballgame on offense hotter than fish grease, bro. And, wow, snake suffocation and fish grease. This is a hell of a show. But uh, <laughs> this will be an epic game, one we're going to talk about for a long time, I think. But everybody's tried to stop this rushing attack for Montana State. Weber State did everything. They put 10 men on the line mm. of scrimmage, walked the safety up. And people say, oh, to stop the running game for Tommy Mawat and Sean Chambers, you just stacked the box. No one's tried that, Stone. You're smarter than every other defensive coordinator in all of FCS. People have tried everything. It hasn't worked. It's yeah. not going to work. Take Montana State mm-hmm. on the road to advance to Frisco. 
2721. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Ms. Stacy Marshall. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. Like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.